I'm excited to preach you this morning. You know, um, some of you have heard me preach before, and if you haven't heard me preach before, and if this is your first time here, um, I do tend to get a little bit excited. Uh, it's just the, the reason why is because I love Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I believe that it's alive. I believe that our King is alive. Amen. Uh, we, serve, we serve a God that's alive. He's not dead. He's not in the grave. Uh, the stone was rolled away. He rose up, and he's seated in heavenly places right now, ruling and reigning. Come on, somebody. And guess what? He's also here. Because the Bible says we're two or three are gathered in his name. He is there. And man, I'm, I'm glad because the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come to the house of the Lord. And as we begin the month of December and we begin to celebrate the birth of our Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, it's good to remember and reflect to not just be like, oh, it's Christmas again. Oh, I got to go buy presents. Oh, I got to go shopping. I got to go do this. No, it's good to remember the true reason why we celebrate because God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, in the form of a baby. Yes. And it tells us that in Isaiah 9, it says, For unto us a child was born, and unto us a son is given. And we sang about it this morning. Come on. His name is Wonderful. It's Counselor. He's the Mighty God. He's the Everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Come on, this is the God that we serve. And so I want to encourage you to lean in this morning to what God would have for you. Because I believe that what you think about Jesus and what you do with him profoundly and greatly affects your life here on this earth. Jesus wants you to do something with him. Jesus wants you to do something with him. What he's done in your life now, Jesus wants you to do something with that. It's not just meant for you. It's not just meant for us to be selfish Christians and believers and say, yeah, God did something in my life and then just never do anything with that or testify about that. Come on, I've heard it say, out of your mess comes a message and out of your test comes a testimony. Come on, who's got a message this morning? Who's got a testimony this morning? Because man, God is great and greatly to be praised. So this revelation that we have of Jesus in the form of this baby. And I want to propose to you a question this morning. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you understand Jesus to be? Because like I said, what you believe about Jesus and what you think about him affects your life. And we're going to look at a story in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus addresses this very question. He not only addresses this question, but he begins to present a reason why he came and how we should live our lives. And this encounter that Jesus has with the disciples is found in three of the four gospels. It's found in Matthew 16, Mark chapter 8, and Luke chapter 9. But this morning, we're going to look at the account in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others are one of the prophet. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then That's right, you can cheer on that. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and I believe he's saying this to us this morning. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Would you pray with me? Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask right now in these moments, Father, that you would come, and Lord, you're already here. We know this, Father, sense your presence. But God, that you would come right now and invade our life. Lord, change us today. Transform us today. God, renew our mind. Encourage us today. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, Jesus, that you would speak through your word, God. Not anything that I might say, but Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to your people, Jesus. I pray against any distraction, anything that the enemy would try to bring against this place. And I thank you, Lord, that you are guarding every heart and every mind to receive from you today fresh bread that you want to give to your people lord we're hungry we're thirsty we're desperate we need you today lord so we ask by the power of your holy spirit jesus that you would change us we thank you for this we give you praise glory and honor in the mighty name of jesus everybody says amen amen Amen. so what we see in the story is we're going to go over three themes of this story. And I'll give them to you first, and then I'm going to go through them. The first one is revelation. The second one is understanding. And the third one is application. Revelation, understanding, application. So the first one, this first theme is revelation. It's Jesus addressing this question, who do you say that I am? So we see, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Now think about this. Jesus is asking his disciples, his friends, his buddies, his cohorts, his crew, the people, the dudes that he's been running with for a a good amount of time now, people that have been hanging out with him, seeing miracles, seeing things happen, seeing people be uh, healed, blind eyes open, people being raised from the dead. You would think they would know who he was. (laughs) But he asked them this question and they're like, John? Barnabas, Matthew, we don't know, Jesus. Uh, some say you're John the Baptist. Uh, some say you're Elijah. You're a prophet. You're, we don't know. <laughs> they're, they're confused. But, but you would think they would know. And, and their question 
indicates uh, some type of doubt. You know, if I ask my kids who I am to them, they're, I'm pretty sure they're going to say, that's my dad, that's my father. Now, they might also say that's, you know, you're, he's goofy or he can be annoying sometimes, but that's what dads do, so that's my job as a dad. I love you, but I'm also annoying. But they're, they're, they're not confused. There's no confusion. Now, if we think about now this question that Jesus says, who do men say that I am? I would say the same question to us. What, is the, what does the world say about Jesus? Who? The people out there that are not a part of this local church or any other part of local church, what, what would the world say? You know, a few years back, I was a part of a church where a pastor wrote a book, and it was called Jesus Is, and then it, there was a blank. So the whole premise of this book was to get people to think about who Jesus was. And whether we acknowledge it or not, people out in the world have an opinion or an idea or a thought about who Jesus is. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to prove it to you. Because there was a website where people could go on and type in what they thought Jesus was. Now, now, fasten your seatbelt. Because people think Jesus is a lot of things. Jesus is alive. Jesus is a winemaker. Jesus, Jesus is emotional. Jesus is blue cheese. Jesus is a myth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is unchanging. Jesus is our certainty. Jesus is to blame. Jesus is worth checking out. Jesus is unscientific. Jesus is, Jesus is an invisible sky fairy. Jesus is essential. Jesus is not to be ignored. Jesus is Aussie. Jesus is timeless. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is for outsiders. Jesus is my favorite. Jesus is hard to believe. Jesus is the man of steel. Jesus is my anchor. Jesus is my accountant. Jesus is relevant. Jesus is Christmas. Jesus is beyond fiction. Jesus is a crutch for the weak. Jesus is convincing. Jesus is OMG. <laughs> it, it really says that. Jesus is OMG. Hashtag LOL. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is everything. Jesus is my refuge. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is a denial of reason. Jesus is ashamed of the church. So what we see from that very short list, we see that the world has an opinion and an idea of what Jesus is. Now, how many of us know as followers of Jesus, a lot of those things are ridiculous? It doesn't make sense. It's, it's distorted. Jesus is a sky fairy? Really? Are you serious? Man, I'm about to punch you in the face. Jesus is not a sky fairy. Jesus is a king. Jesus was a real person. Now, people will say whether they believe in Jesus or not, people will say that Jesus was an actual person who walked this, human, this, this planet. He was a historical figure. He wasn't a sky fairy. He was a real person. But see, I think sometimes for us as Christians, whether we would acknowledge it or not, based on an experience or a circumstance or something that we've gone through, we could have a distorted view of who Jesus is. Something that you've experienced, you've gone through, you've battled. Maybe you're battling right now. You're fighting. You're, you're contemplating. You've, 
You know, you grew up in an abusive family, you grew up in an abusive household, so you see Jesus, you see God as he's just an abusive father. He just wants to beat me down. He doesn't want me to be successful. He's mad at me. He's angry at me. Someone in your life who was always nagging on you. You think God's just always nagging on you. You're never going to amount to anything. Why are you doing this? And you, 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 you've created Jesus to be something that he's not. You, you had a betrayal from a close friend or a family member, or someone who stabbed you in the back. You thought, oh, I never could have imagined in a thousand years that that person would ever do that to me. But they did it. And now you see Jesus as someone who would betray you. You have a distorted view. Our life experiences, you and I, life experiences affect how we see Jesus, right? See, we, we believe that Jesus is a healer, amen? But how many of you are still fighting or dealing with sickness? That could be challenging, right? But if the Bible says that Jesus is the healer and the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever and the word of God does not change, then guess what? Just because you still haven't received your healing yet and you're still sick doesn't change God. God is still healer. He is still in the business of healing. And not just healing you physically, but maybe emotionally or even spiritually. So are you making an assumption about Jesus? Are you creating him into be something that he is not? I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you will allow him this morning, he wants to shatter that distorted view that you've created him to be. Jesus wants to reveal himself to you just like he revealed himself to the disciples. So we see that Jesus first asks the disciples, who do others say that I am? And then a shift takes place. Verse 15, he said to them, who do you say that I am? Jesus gets personal. Jesus gets all up in their business. He's like, I'm about to mess with these people. I'm about to get up in their business. I'm going to see if they really believe that I am who I say that I am. Who do you say that Jesus is? I'm asking you this morning, by the Holy Spirit, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Not others. Not what other people think. This is personal. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is not about what your neighbor thinks, your spouse thinks, your, your kids think, what your pastor thinks. What do you think? Who do you say that Jesus is? See, I can pray with you, but I can't pray for you. I can worship like we did this morning with you, but I can't worship for you. You've got to do it. It's got to be personal. There's got to be a personal relationship. See, when relationships change is when it becomes personal, right? I don't want to just know about Jesus, have a bunch of head knowledge, a bunch of information, quote off to you facts, quote off to you all these things, but not know Jesus in a personal, in real way. When I come into worship and I experience his presence, when I'm in my quiet time at home, when I'm reading my word and it comes alive because the word of God says it's alive, it's not just the logos, it's not just the written word, but it's a rhema, it's alive. So every time you read it, it's alive, it's God's word speaking to you, it's not dead. Some of you need a word from God, you know what, get in your Bible. You want to hear God speak to you? Read his word out loud. Read his word out loud. See, I enjoy art. And 
I could look online and look at paintings and read books and have a bunch of information about art and this is cool and I have a, you know, all this stuff floating around in my head. You know, for, so for fun fact, let's give you a fun fact about art. How many of you know uh, the painting, The Mona Lisa? If you don't, it's okay. Just look it up later. I'm looking at you. looking up right now on your phones? Look and see if anybody's looking down. That's <laughs> a... Put your phone away. No, I'm kidding. Really, the, the Mona Lisa is interesting because it's actually, it's, it's a relatively small painting. You think when you see it online, sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to gauge the size of a painting. Now, granted, some paintings are huge, but the Mona Lisa is really not that big. Do you know that there's actually some art critics and people who study that say that there could potentially be four of those out in the world? Four of those? That's kind of interesting. You know that the current worth of that painting is almost one billion dollars. <laughs> of a gal, a billion dollars, really? I could do that. No, you can't. See, I can. I, I know all these inf- the, this information, and, and the artist painted it was Leonardo da Vinci. In case you're wondering. Now, do you think because I know just a couple of those facts right there about one painting means I'm actually could call myself a friend of Leonardo? Like me and Leonardo's buddies? Well, that's kind of hard because one, he's dead. Okay, that ain't going to work. But I, I can't say that I have a relationship just with this guy just because I know a couple things about him. You see where I'm going with this? Just because you say you know a few things about Jesus doesn't necessarily know, mean you really have a personal relationship with him. I know that might sound kind of harsh, but that's just the reality of it, Right? Jesus wants us to do something with him. So we see that Peter has this revelation, right? He says, you're the son of God. You're the Christ. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. See, it's not a natural thing that you can comprehend and understand who Jesus is. You are never going to figure out Jesus with your mind. He says he knows, the Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Jesus, you ain't going to figure him out. It's got to be a spiritual awakening. And Peter realized that Jesus wasn't just an ordinary person. He wasn't just a regular human being. Because, you know, before we were serving Jesus, when we were dead in our trespasses, he still loved us. When we didn't have this revelation of who Jesus was, he was still there for us. And now I can say, He's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my protector. He's my provider. He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to light my path when I can't see. He's going to come and support me. There's going to be a peace that passes all understanding when I don't get it. Why? Because I've had a revelation of who this man is. Have you had that revelation? Have you had it? Is he your provider? Is he your saver? Is he your protector? Jesus is blank to you. What is Jesus to you? And maybe you've, you've, uh, you've heard this quote before. There's, there's this thing called the, the I'll, I'll read it in a second, trilemma. It's this idea that Jesus was, Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, crazy man, or Lord. Liar, lunatic, Lord. In the mid-19th century, Scottish Christian preacher Rabbi John Duncan formulated what he called the trilemma. 
Christ either, one, deceived mankind by conscious fraud. Two, he himself was deluded and self-deceived. Or three, he was divine. There's no getting out of this trilemma. And then this paraphrased quote from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. He says this, Jesus claimed to be God. His claim is either true or false. If it is true, then in fact he is God. If his claim is false, then either he said it knowing it was false, in which case he is a liar, or he said it not knowing it's false, in which case he was mad. Therefore, we are left with three logical options. He was either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Which one is he to you? Which one is he to you? Because knowing Jesus comes through this personal revelation of who he is. He's not a liar. The Bible tells us that. He doesn't lie. Jesus ain't crazy. He might have did some crazy things, right? Jesus be walking on water. You ever seen anybody walk on water? Jesus be raising people from the dead. Jesus be spitting in the mud, making mud, putting it in people's eyes. People be seeing it. He did some crazy things, but he wasn't crazy. He's definitely Lord. This revelation of who Jesus is in our lives, it demands a response. It demands a response. It demands a response. Jesus wants us to do something with him. So this revelation that Peter had, now, now notice what Jesus said. I want to I clarify this. Jesus says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, verse 18. And also I say to you that you are Peter. Peter means rock. And on this rock, not on the rock of Peter, who he was as a person, but on the rock of the revelation of what he had, of what Peter understood Jesus to be. So he said, I'm going to build my church on that revelation. The church is built on the revelation that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's the only way. He is risen. This is the revelation that the church is being built on. And I say to you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Come on, somebody. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And then whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a verse of authority. That's a verse of power. That's a verse of anointing. That's a verse of purpose. That's a verse of revelation. That's a verse for a message for a whole nother time. <laughs> I ain't got time for that one. So the first theme is understanding. It's understanding who Jesus is. The second theme Excuse me, revelation. The second theme is understanding. Got ahead of myself. It's an understanding. It's, it's the reason why. Why? It goes from revelation to reason. Why is the reason that Jesus came? Well, he tells his disciples. He says this. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. The reason, the point, the purpose. Jesus came to die for forgiveness of sins. But it's more than just him dying. He's, he's come. It's more than just us accepting Jesus and saying, hey, I got a free pass into heaven. C come on, people. Jesus wants to give us more in this life. Jesus wants us to do something with him. He wants us to take him to Walmart, to the Walmart, right, Pastor? If you weren't here last week and you don't get that joke, go back and listen to the message. Jesus wants us to take him. 
to our workplace. And he wants you to have him sit right next to that employee or coworker that you don't like that much. Annoys you. But Jesus wants to do something in that person's life. And guess who he wants to use? You. <laughs> Why do you think God puts you where he puts you? Because he wants to use you there. He wants to use you in your workplace. He wants to use you when you're dropping your kids off at school. He wants to use you when you're in Costco. So often, so many times, we just got our heads down and we're just walking. We get to Costco, we get our card, and we show them our card, and we're just, get out of my way. Boom, boom. And we're just, we're just doing our thing. But we don't notice the people around us that are hurting broken see John 10 10 tells us the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but I come to give you life and life more abundantly come on living for Jesus this is more than just when you gave your life to Jesus this is more than just you getting a participation ribbon hey good job you you asked for forgiveness and you accepted here's your ribbon now move along and then never do anything for the rest of your life no, Christianity, it's meant to be a lifestyle. It's meant to be something you do every day. It's not just meant to be seasonal when you feel like it or supplemental. It's not just meant to be for special occasions. Jesus is meant for all the time. He doesn't want to be treated like a vending machine. When you, oh, Lord, yeah, I just, I got this, and I'm just kind of going through life, and then something really bad happens, or you're really going through it, you're like, Lord, I really need you right now, and you go, and you get in your prayer closet, and you're like, man, let's get in there, and you pray, and you do your thing, you're like, wow, that was amazing, and then you go away. No. Yeah, maybe, Lord, I'll serve you sometimes on a Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and everything looks good and no one's bothering me and I just in labor, I just maybe possibly sometimes maybe never that's when I'll follow Jesus no, 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 no uh-uh we receive forgiveness so we can walk in a new way of life Jesus wants to be our never ending source of life all the time so now Peter he gets the revelation, right? But then look what this dude does. This guy's a trip, man. It's, it says in verse 22, it says, Then Peter took him, Jesus aside, and, and he began to rebuke him. Huh? Excuse, excuse me. <laughs> he, he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Okay. Time out. We, we see Peter, he's like, he's got the revelation. You're the Christ, the Son of God. And then Jesus said, I got to suffer all these things. I died. He's like, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Wait, what? Huh? Jesus is like, Peter had, a, Peter had a lot of guts to pull the Savior of the world, y'all. Jesus, come here. Come here. You can't do that. Like, Peter, what's wrong with you? How, how many of us know it's never a good thing to question God? you know, to try and question him. But if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we do question God. Don't we? God, why would you, why, why, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? Lord, why would you tell me to do this? Lord, why would you tell me to close the church and move to Montana? Lord, why would you, why, Lord? 
But we need to remember what Isaiah says. 55, 8, and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God knows what he's doing even when it doesn't make sense. And when I was studying and praying, I felt like there could be or maybe is someone, if it's even just one person, that you're going through something and it doesn't make sense. But God wants you to know that he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. You can't see it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. What else does the Bible say? We walk by faith, not by Come on. The disciples literally walked with Jesus. Literally walked with our King and Savior. And here we are 2,000 years later and we're reading these stories and we have the same opportunity. Not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense to walk with this Savior. And it didn't make sense. Peter, why would you be saying that, bro? And the Lord literally, he, he rebukes him. Verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Come on, we as Christians need to be mindful of the things of Christ. We need to set our minds on things above like Colossians 3, 1 and 2 say. We need to be mindful of the spiritual world that we live in. Come on, a lot of times, do you ever, get, you ever just get irritated and you get agitated and you don't know why? I do, okay, I'm by myself, fine. I'm a lone star, whatever. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is a spiritual war that you're in. You know, sometimes, I'm not a perfect human being, and sometimes I might not read my Bible as much as I should, and when I go through that day, <laughs> I don't know if you guys get like this, but I'm just more ir irritable, agitated, I don't want to be around nobody. I just see people, and I'm just like... I need to be mindful of the things of God every day, setting my mind on things because this is temporary. So we've got revelation, who is Jesus. We've got understanding why he came. And now the third theme, it's the application. Because like I said before, Jesus wants you to do something with him. If I gave each and every one of you, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Amen. And you took the keys. Just imagine your favorite car, whatever you like to drive around here. And I just gave you the keys. You're like, praise God, this is great, this is amazing. And you went out to the parking lot. You started the car. You warmed it up. You checked out all the buttons. You did your thing. But you never drove it. Never took it anywhere. Man, this gift is amazing. This is awesome. I love how fast it goes. Bro, you're sitting in the parking lot. You're not doing anything. I mean, what are you talking about? I know, but these heated seats are amazing, and these seats that massage you now while you're driving, really bad idea, okay? <laughs> you're driving your car, and you're, like, falling asleep. If you never did anything with it, right, you wouldn't enjoy the gift, would you? See, Jesus wants us to do something with the gift, the God, Jesus, the, back up, the gift that God has given us is Jesus, right? It's a free gift. It's for you for you, for everyone in here. 
It's free. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do nothing to get God's grace. He already did it for you. He went to the cross. He already died for you. You stop trying. Stop trying so hard. Stop trying to earn God's love. You can't do enough to try to earn God's love. Man, he loves you. It don't matter. Because the Bible tells us before you, while you were still sinning, while you were still in your debauchery, while you were still having a good time and doing the things you know you should be doing, but you did them anyway because they felt good, guess what? He was still loving you. So it's the application that Jesus now lays out to his disciples. It's a pattern. And I believe it's a lifelong assignment that you and I are to accept. It's a challenge that you and I are to say, we're going to do this. See, revelation without application, it's just information. It's just head knowledge. You might be the smartest guy in the room. Cool, bro. What have you done with your life? Have you ever served at church? Have you ever served in kids' ministry? <laughs> ah. Have you ever served in the nursery? What, what evangelist is in the kids' ministry? What, what, what missionary is in the kids' ministry? You know, Billy Graham had someone teach him Sunday school. What, what kid in there who's going to do the next great thing for God, next great revivalist? Maybe the next great revivalist comes out of Hope Church. You just don't know. God knows. But Jesus wants us to do something with him. Come on, as Christians, we need to put feet to our faith. We need to do something with Jesus. Not just put him in a box. Jesus, thanks for saving me. Wrap him up in a box and put him under the bed. No. We're to live it out. Live out our faith. We need to do something with Jesus. And as we come to this end of the story, this is what Jesus says. This is the application. In verse 24, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Our lives are not meant to be lived for ourselves. Come on, let's just be honest for a minute. Let's stop being so selfish as Christians. When was the last time you invited someone to church? <laughs> right? When, when was the last time you, you signed up to serve? When was the last time you, you went out and just looked for somebody in this community that was suffering or in need or said, God, lead me to someone? I think a lot of times we're praying, God, show me. God, lead me to someone. And man, we walk around all the time. There's people all around us. Man, let's do something. Jesus came not to be served. I don't want to just be a fat spiritual Christian when I get on my deathbed. Wow, Lord, I read my Bible a lot and I prayed a bunch and I went to church a bunch and I served and I preached and I did worship, but I never did anything outside of the four walls of the church. Come on, somebody. Our lives are meant to be lived as our own. Man, I'm telling you, some of the greatest things that I've, ever, that I've experienced in my life have came as a result of serving. It truly has. If you don't believe it, try it. Try it. You got to do it with the right heart. Okay, I'll serve in the nursery. 
where are those kids at? You and you. And then Monday morning, uh, dear pastor, uh, my kid was in the nursery and uh, I don't know what's happening. Sorry, pastor. First John three sixteen. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Matthew 20, 27 and 28, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Come on, if Jesus came to serve, so should we. Come on, if, if Jesus came to love those who are the unlovely, so should we. Come on, if Jesus came for the sick and the broken and the despair and the hurting and those that are looking for love, man, so should we. Come on, somebody reached out to you and your brokenness and your ugliness and your mess and your hurt and your pain. Come on, be that person to someone else. Don't be selfish. Be that to someone else. Come on. Because when you do that, when you lose your life, you find it, people. You find it. You find it. Come on, eternity is in the heart of us. Do you know this life is temporary? It's temporary. It's gone in a minute. I have a 19-year-old, 18-year-old, and almost 15, y'all. Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? You look at pictures, and you're like, oh, look at my kids. They're so young. And then the next thing, they're gone, grown up. It's gone. Our life, the Bible says, our life is but a vapor. Gone. A minute. I want my life to mean something. Do you want your life to mean something? You want to leave a legacy? You want to leave a legacy when you, when you leave this earth? And when you stand before Jesus, what does the Bible say that, it's, that Jesus will say to us? It's, it's not going to say, well done, good and faithful father, faithful mother, faithful employee, employer, business owner. It says that we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Servant. Servant serve our families, serve our children, serve our spouses, serve this community, serve this church. You begin to pour in your life, you begin to say, my life is not my own anymore. Some of you have been, some of you have been waiting way too long for God to tell you to do something. I'm here to tell you this morning, you just need to step out and do it. You need to stop waiting to say, oh God, I need a word from you. You've gotten 55 words already. What are you waiting on? I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just telling you. I'm, I feel like by the, by the Holy Spirit that some of you just need to step down. You just need to do it. You know what you need to do, but you're afraid to do it. And it's okay. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Do you know when I, you don't know this. I don't know why I said that. Because, you know, I've been here that long. Growing up, I hated, hated. It terrified me. I hated speaking in front of class. And you look at me now and you're like, you were lying. No, I'm not. You can ask my parents. I hated it. It terrified me. I, I, I was petrified. I did not want to do it. But you know what? As I began to serve God, he began to do something in me. And so when I first started preaching, guess what? I had to do it afraid. Because the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. So see, some of you need to stop thinking that it's all about you, that it's your gift. It's not. It's about the God that lives inside of you. And if you would just get up and do it, he would begin to work in you and through you. Woo!
legacy. And then verse 27. For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will give, excuse me, and then he will reward each according to his works. See, there is a reward waiting for us when we get to heaven. And I want to live with eternity in mind. I want to live to say, Lord, how can I affect people for eternity? Not just for now. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have served in the kids' ministry. I wish I, I wish I would have served in nursery. I wish I would have served at the widow's luncheon. I, I wish I would have joined the worship team. I, I wish I would have found that person at church that said, hey, will you mentor me? I, I wish I would have given it to that person. I wish I would have bought that person's groceries at Costco when I, when I didn't have enough money for myself, but I knew the Lord was telling me to buy their groceries instead. Come on. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, man, Lord, I wish I would have done that. No, I just want to do it. I don't want to have a little impact. I want to have a lot of impact. And I want it to be for the glory of God. Come on, do you want to be an impactful follower of Jesus Christ? Have you had the revelation? Have you had it? Maybe some of you haven't had that revelation. You don't know who Jesus truly is. You haven't made him Lord of your life. You haven't said, I'm a, I'm a sinner who needs a savior. You need some, you, you need to repent. Maybe, maybe you weren't sure doing communion when pastor presented that, but there's an opportunity here for you today for you to say, you know what? It's my time. It's my time. I need to surrender. I need to give it up. I, Lord, I, I, I come to, I, I'm coming now. You need the revelation that Jesus Christ is.